Welcome to another episode of the Amford Church Sermon Podcast. We're thrilled that you're taking the time to listen to what we have to say about God, the world, and you. These sermons are recorded live during our weekly Sunday morning services. To find out more about us or to plan a visit to join us, check out our website, amfordchurch.com. Again, thanks for listening and enjoy. Luke chapter 6, verse 27. This is Jesus um, preaching, speaking to his disciples, to those who want to follow him. He says, but I tell you, you who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who ill-treat you. If someone strikes you on the cheek, turn to him the other also. If someone takes your cloak, do not stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. So as I've mentioned already, we've been um, going through, talking about how to know Jesus more and make him more known. We've talked over the last few weeks about that idea of kind of pursuing more, of a kind of godly discontentment in the right places, wanting to know Jesus more and get deeper into him, wanting to look more like him, and then wanting to take him out to others who don't know him, that um, not just that our church would be bigger, but that heaven would be fuller and Christ's glory would be even greater. And then we talked about enjoying the world, that God has given us a beautiful creation and and really quite remarkable bodies, if you think about it, with all the nerve endings that we need to enjoy food and enjoy beautiful things and enjoy each other and hearts to love and hands to hold and all of this kind of stuff. God has given us a world to enjoy and has made us, especially us as Christians, able to enjoy life to the full because we don't just know the world in the kind of horizontal, you know, this world around us, but we know God in the vertical plane. We know the one who made it and gave it to us. And then last week, I was out in Sunday school, but you were talking about eating And noticing that Jesus, especially in Luke's gospel where we just read from, Jesus is either at a meal or he's coming from a meal or he's going to a meal. He always seems to be eating and drinking. And if you read the Bible, it starts with God, remember some of his first words? Giving people food to eat. Every food in the world, all the trees and plants and everything, he gives it to man and woman to eat except one tree just to see if they would trust him. And then the Bible, so it starts with eating and it ends with eating too with a great feast, the wedding supper of the Lamb, that every single one of you and every single person in the world is invited to. So we talked about more, we talked about enjoying, we talked about eating. Now we're going to talk about kindness. And these four things, maybe they seem a little bit random, you know, there's all sorts of other things that we could think about and talk about and pursue as a church. But well, here are four, and let's make them marks 
Let's pray that God would make the marks of our lives individually and corporately as a family this year. Let's pray that we'd be people who pursue him with a godly discontentment, that we'd want to know him more, that we'd enjoy the world he's given to us and the lives he's blessed us with, that we'd eat to his glory and for the good of others, and that we would be kind as he's been kind to us. So that's really my sermon today, is God has been kind to you, so welcome that kindness and go and be kind to other people and welcome their kindness. That last thing is maybe something we're not so good at. If you fancy a nap, I mean, maybe it's some of you, it's going to be inevitable. So let me just give you the sermon right now, and then you can crack on. But if, I mean, please don't. Do stay awake. There's a lot more to say than that. But really, it's basically this. God has been kind to you, so welcome his kindness and live in it. Unbearably kind. We've sung about it over and over. And so go and be kind to others. He's poured that into you. You go pour it out to others. And if others have been kind to you, well, accept it, welcome it, as you've welcomed Christ's kindness. Okay, but what is kindness? Anybody want to offer a definition? I don't know, maybe kindness is smiling, being a smiley person, getting along with others generally, not ruffling too many feathers, you know, being nice to people, that's what kindness is. Well, yeah, I suppose so, but I reckon we could go deeper. I've got a good good example of kindness that almost made me cry. Um, I had a really busy week in work. This was a few years ago, working with students in North Wales, Uh, A week we called Mission Week, where we would put kind of events on morning, evening, often multiple in the afternoon, uh, in the evening, and we'd just be going 100% all day for a whole week, sharing the good news with Jesus, one-to-one, just chatting with people, doing little surveys, finding out what they thought about life, the universe, and everything, talking and answering difficult questions at lunchtime, a bit like we do in Cafe Church in Starbucks next Sunday evening, Um, and then kind of big events on the evenings of the week where we'd share the gospel with people and we'd have a speaker like this, kind of coffee, tea, chats, big questions, uh, talking to people about Jesus. And it was an exhausting week. We did it every February. So at the end of this week, Bethan and I, and I think we had some others around, we decided we were going to have chips for dinner and kind of re-carb load afterwards, you know, get your energy back after the week. So I went to the chippy, still hands down the best chippy I've ever been to. It was just like out of somebody's front um, room. Have you ever been to that kind of chippy where it's just a, a terraced house with a fish sign on the wall and you go into someone's front room and they have a massive fryer there and they just fry you some chips. But this guy, obviously I looked exhausted or something. I was leaning against the wall, asked him for what we wanted and he, while I was waiting, because it was a fairly big order, he pulled out some pre-cooked chips and he gave me a little paper and just said, you have, have those, mate, for free, nothing. And it almost made me cry. I was so exhausted. I was so touched and, uh, by his generosity. He'd been really kind to me, and I appreciated it. It was something uh, that really blessed and encouraged me at the end of a, of a difficult but, but um, good week. That's kindness, isn't it? That's a bit deeper than just being a nice person. But kindness in the passage we read goes even deeper than that. I mean, I hadn't said anything nasty to this chippy. I was about to pay him and give him money for other chips. So he was kind, and that was nice, and I appreciated it. And it was, I mean, it really touched me. But this is, an, this is a mind-blowing kind of kindness that Jesus talks about here, isn't it? If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. I mean, everybody's kind. In fact, if you look around on the internet and just search kindness, there's a quite a big movement at the moment going on to talk about and encourage people to do random acts of kindness, to find the person, if you're in a coffee queue, who's behind you and not talk to them, not say anything, but just pay for their coffee. It's a kind thing you could do to someone who you don't know, who I suppose would say thank you if you did that. But I mean, everybody can do that. Everybody can see that that's something of benefit. But look, okay, what about this? Even 
If you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Or if you lend money expecting repayment, well, look, everyone does that. People make businesses out of that. But I say to you, Jesus says in verse 35, drops a bombshell, love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be sons of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful just as your father is merciful. Jesus in this sermon, like in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew, is just dropping bombshells all over the place. They're like uh, kind of bolts of lightning dropping down into humanity that are supposed to kind of let out peals of thunder that just roll through the countryside, that roll through humanity. They're supposed to be lightning bolts into your heart that then roll in thunder through the rest of your life and in, through the rest of the community. Can you see how that would be the case? I mean, random acts of kindness are wonderful. Do those. Pay for the coffee of the person behind you who you don't know, and he'll come and say thank you. Of course we should do that kind of thing. Let that person out of the light, out, out at the lights, at the junction before you when you're already late for school. Be kind, even to your enemies. What about that person who never lets you out? You know, you're in the car park, you always happen to see the same person, and they're always selfish. What about you let them out? Okay, maybe they're not quite an enemy, but you know, you get where that kind of thing is going. Jesus says, even your enemies... Even the people who hate you, bless them, pray for them, be good to them, even lend them money and don't expect it back. Be okay with huge personal cost to be kind to somebody else. Have you ever just closed your Bible at that kind of point and thought, thanks Jesus, but I don't know how I'm going to do that. I heard a story recently of a a literature professor in a university in America who um, who was, I think, English literature or something like that, but just gave as their students as a task, gave them the Sermon on the Mount, didn't tell them where it came from, just asked them to read it and make some comments on it. They took it home, did their homework, brought it back, and most of them were angry or just despondent. were like, well, this sounds nice, but nobody could ever live like this. Nobody could ever have the personal strength, you know, the kind of inner security to be that kind to other people and expect nothing back. How do you, how do you get strength like this? It's just so weird. Maybe you're a Christian who's read this over and over again. Maybe you've been going through the Bible in a year and you read through Matthew and heard Jesus say similar things in the Sermon on the Mount over there. And you read it and you were like, yeah, of course, and carried on because it's so familiar. But look, Jesus is dropping bombshells. Jesus has bolts of lightning for the heart that should rock us with deep thunder to go and love like this. It's an amazing thing, isn't it? It's something that really would turn our community turn our world upside down. So where on earth do we get that kind of kindness? Well, I think we need to redefine kindness a little bit. Maybe you could say it's this. Kindness is a supernaturally generous orientation of our hearts towards other people, even when they don't deserve it or, or love us in return. That's the kind of love that Jesus calls us to here, isn't it? It's not romantic love, Three words in Greek for love, you probably know already. Eros, that's kind of romantic love. Philos, kind of family love for the people who, you know, are your blood and you just can't help but love them, whatever they do. And then this is agape. This is a kind of love somebody, whatever they do to you, because what you want deep down is their good. Whatever they do, however little they deserve it, you want their best. You want what's good for them. And that is something impossible to have. I think, unless it's supernaturally given. So this is kindness. Let me say it again. It's something that's 
It's a supernaturally generous orientation of our hearts toward other people, even when they don't deserve it. I think especially when they don't deserve it or love us in return. So how do you, how do I get the kind of heart that would be that kind of kind, costly kind? Well, it was in the last few sentences. Your reward will be great if you can do this, but you can't. So, okay, think on somebody else who does it. You will be sons of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Jesus knows what we need. When he's given us commands like that, he said, this is the manifesto of of the kingdom. This is how how you should live if you want to follow me. And then we say, oh, but I can't. He says, all right, let me help you. Look to your father. Look to the one who is most high because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Look to me, Jesus is saying. Look to God, what he is like. So should we run down quickly God's kindness to us? We've heard a little of it already in the lives of Reese and Lisa, but the kindness of God, where would you begin? Well, how about we begin at creation, that God made us. He didn't make us because he needed anything. He didn't make us to get some joy. He made us because of his overflowing joy. If you want a little theological word to go and look up or drop it at a party, if you ever meet a theologian at a party, that's God's aseity, A-S-E-I-T-Y. You could write that down and look it up later. It means God needs nothing. And it sounds a bit harsh. I mean, But actually, it's really good news because it means you're here because he wants you to be here. That he'll never run out of use for you. Like if you're a mother who's had to say goodbye to your children, they've flown the nest, and you get that empty feeling of not really knowing what you're for anymore. God, you will never feel that with God. God doesn't have a use for you that will ever run out. God wants you to be and made you to be out of his overflowing kindness. You breathe and live and have your being because God's kind. God is patient with his enemies. I mean, we don't exactly think much of God, do we? Most people, many people don't believe in him. If people are spiritual, then they're not really following this God. So most people live as enemies of him, turned against him. But God is patient with his enemies. Adam and Eve, when they first turned, they went to that tree they shouldn't have gone to. They didn't trust him. They didn't love him. They weren't kind to him in return. They took that fruit, and, and instead of wiping them out, God came down and looked for them and called for them and said, come and talk to me. What have you done? Explain it to me, and let's work this out together. But they hid from him. See, God, from the very beginning, has always been patient and kind with his enemies. But flick through all the Old Testament. You can think of stories that might come to mind, and then just come to Jesus, and let's think about him. That God has sent his own son into the world, to seek and save the lost. That he left his throne above and came to us to be a working class carpenter, to be bossed around by his parents for several dozen years, to be weak, to be cut, to be bruised, to be worked hard until he sweated, to be ignored, to be thought he was insane. Jesus came from being the one who was over all creation, to step down into our world, to become nothing, to become a servant. And then think about Jesus' life. Think about specific, think about who he speaks to. He goes and speaks to the people nobody wants to speak to, to the lepers who everyone avoids in case they catch their diseases. They literally live outside the city in the rubbish dump, and Jesus goes to them, doesn't just speak to them, but he touches them. Isn't that unbelievable kindness to the people everyone else has rejected? He's lending his time. They can never give it back. 
He's lending his resources, his, his eternal power to heal them. They can never give anything back to him. See, he lends without expecting anything in return because everything we have is his already. Do you see how this is a picture, not just of the ideal Christian, so come on, pull your socks up. It's a picture of God. So come on, come and trust his kindness. Jesus hangs out with people nobody else wants to speak to, including the Pharisees, including these highfalutin, religious, um, rude words, insert rude words here, who nobody else would really want to be friends with. Jesus spends time with them and is kind to them in his speech, in his words. I mean, we know and have many examples of him being kind to people who are rejected by society, but Jesus is kind in another word, in another way to Pharisees. He stings them with his words. Reminds us of this psalm, Psalm 141. Let a righteous man strike me, it is a kindness. Let him rebuke me, it is oil on my head. My head will not refuse it. Jesus speaks kindness, not just gentle and nice and smiley to people who are suffering, but he speaks kindness to people who are really in danger of being religiously so, so interested in themselves that they, that they ignore him and think, he has a, think that he's the devil. Jesus is interested in them and spends time with them debating and trying to wake them up. He stings them with his words, and that's kindness as well. Okay, so kindness can sometimes be not cruel. It's not quite the right phrase, is it? But you know what I mean. Kindness can sting. Don't be afraid of that if that's what Jesus comes to you with this morning. Think of all the other stories, the Good Samaritan. Jesus doesn't just act out kindness, but he teaches and speaks kindness. Think about Jesus' cross, ultimately, where Jesus goes to a courtroom where he could easily defend himself and get off charges. Nobody, well, the Romans don't really want to crucify him, but he keeps silent and makes sure that it happens for us. Think of him climbing up that climbing up that hill with that huge piece of log on his back, with blood pouring down his face from the crown of thorns, with the whip marks around his back and his belly from being shredded all night, from the bruises from the beatings, with spit dripping down him. And he climbs up that hill, and even worse, he gets crucified. He could easily take his hands off that cross, call down a legion of angels, and finish those people. But what does he do? He leaves his hands there. He stays and he prays for those who are persecuting him. He says, Father, forgive them. They have no idea what they're doing. He doesn't just stop and not insult them, but he does something positively good. Do you see that? There's lots of others. I read a list of, it in, of them in a commentary this, this uh, week. Confucius, um, plenty of Jewish rabbis. Uh, I think Muhammad, various other religious leaders have, have a version of the golden rule. This do to others as you'd have them to do to you. But they're all in the negative. They're always, if you don't want someone to do it to you, don't do it. So avoid doing things to others that you wouldn't want them to do to you. Jesus is the only one that I can find who says, go positive. You see those people who are your enemies? Don't just ignore them. Don't just let them be. Don't just leave them you know, to their own devices. You go and be good to them. You know those people who are persecuting you? Don't just stiff up a lip. Don't just turn the other cheek and walk away. No, you turn around and you pray for them. You spend your wealth, your riches. You, in a costly way, pour yourself out for that person who has betrayed you, who has hurt you, who is killing you in the moment that they're killing you. That's what Jesus does. He pours out blessing to them and, encouraging, and he's encouraging us to do the same thing. Do you see that? In Jesus' death, he is this. He does this. 
What about his resurrection? Well, after this, after humanity has killed and attempted to kill their own God, the one who made them, Jesus rises three days later from the grave, and he doesn't just nip off to heaven and say, oh, be done with you. I'm glad that's all finished. I'm off. He stays around another 40 days speaking to people who ran away, speaking to people who denied him. Do you remember Peter? Literally within eyeshot of Jesus, a little girl says, oh, you're the one who follows Jesus, aren't you? Weren't you with them? And he says, no, 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 three times. And Jesus doesn't just leave him wallowing in misery. Jesus goes to him and says, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Restores him and then raises him up and sends him out to be the strongest, the greatest, the founding preacher of all of Christianity. You owe your spiritual life to Jesus restoring Peter, to him passing on the gospel on Pentecost, to those people who pass it on to others, to others, until it eventually reached our little corner up here on our islands. Jesus was kind in his life, in his creation, in coming to enemies like, the, like us to die for us and then to rise again, to restore us, to bring us to be sons of the Most High. So how on earth are we going to be kind like this? Well, what you need to do, the first and most practical thing I can tell you in this sermon today is to spend some time with Jesus, to go and look at this kindness, to dwell on it and receive it for yourself. That's your first practical application today to repent. Romans 2 verse 4, let me read you that. This is what kindness is supposed to do. Do you show contempt for the riches of God's kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance? That's the whole point of it, that he is kind to you, and not as a one-off, I mean over and over and over and over and will be forever, kind to you so that you wake up so that you stop comparing yourself to other people and saying, well, I'm kinder than them, so I'm doing pretty well. But you start comparing yourself to God, who's given his only son for you and for all of humanity. And, okay, measure yourself up against that kindness. And, and there's absolutely no hope for pride. Doesn't that humble us into the dust and make us fall on our knees in repentance and say, Lord, I'm really sorry. I haven't been kind like this. The whole point of, of Christianity isn't just to give you things to do, to try a bit harder. I'm not just trying to inspire you to be a better person this morning, but to be a new person, to come to Jesus and know him, literally rip up your life and give it back to you, made new. That's what redeem means. That's what Reese was talking about before. That the old you is dead and gone, and a new you has come. A new you with a new heart, with a heart like God, that can say, actually, you know what? I think I, I, think I could do that because he's poured his love into my heart. Let me give you a couple of stories to illustrate. Um, we know a girl called Rebecca. She's one of our best friends. She was a student with us well, when we were working with the students in Bangor. Um, she came to university as a kind of nominal Christian, Christian-y background, went to church now and again, came to, to uni assuming she was a Christian, and then met some Christians in the CU. And there was something different about them. So she kind of struck up a friendship, got to know them a little bit. But she was still going out, kind of um, living a, a, a double life, not really walking with Jesus, didn't know him at all. Um, and she went out one Friday night, uh, was really worse for wear, was walking down a, a pretty steep hill that there is in Bangor. She fell over, scraped her face, scraped herself up, wasn't in good shape. And um, some Christians, different ones from the ones that she knew, but they gathered around and they helped her out. They're called street pastors. They put a blanket around her, gave her some tea, helped her out. And then they phoned a friend that she had, a lass called Lydia. She came and, and they had a chat through most of the night. And that night, um, Rebecca realized the kindness of these Christians. You know, what are you doing out here in the middle of the night? 
in the middle of the early hours of the morning helping people like me. She saw the kindness of Christians, saw in them the kindness of God, and she fell on her knees and she became a Christian. She said sorry for her sins and she got to know the Lord Jesus. She wrote it all down in her diary that night. She woke up the next morning and couldn't remember a single thing. Had a bit of a hangover. Went to her diary and was like, could vaguely remember something had maybe happened. You know, saw her face in the mirror. And so she opened her diary, read it all through. Was like, oh, wow. Remembered. And she's been walking with the Lord Jesus since then. It's pretty cool, isn't it? The kindness of people showed her the kindness of God. And now she's walking with the Lord and experiencing his kindness every day. Well, let me tell you another story. Have you heard of a lady called Kathy Ten Boom? Um, some of you might have read her um, story on, on, on the bookstore. Let me try and find a piece of paper with a quotation from her. Corrie Ten Boom's family uh, lived kind of around the 1930s, Second World War. And when the Nazis started taking Jews away and making life very dangerous for them, um, she and her family sheltered some of them. They went to the pastor of their church and apparently said one day, uh, asked if he would help them, if he could you know, help organize sheltering and helping and hiding these Jews so that they wouldn't be taken away. And the pastor said this, it's just not safe. I'm sorry, Corrie, definitely not. We could lose our lives for that Jewish child who you want to rescue. Her father overheard the pastor saying this, and he said, well, you say we could lose our lives for this child? I would consider that the greatest honor. And he did lose his life. Corrie Ten Boom lost her mother and her father and her older sister. They found the Jews they were hiding in their house, and they took them all, them and the family, away to um, Ravensbrück prison camp, and her family died. And then years later... She was talking about forgiving the men who did that. She said, even as the angry and vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin of them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. Jesus, I cannot, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. And so I discovered that it is not on our forgiveness any more than on our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on his. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives, along with the command, the love itself. Did you hear that? When he tells us to love our enemies, I mean, listen, this is from somebody who's walked through it, much more than I have. When he tells us to love our enemies, to love somebody who, you know, loving them might get you killed, to love somebody who has killed your own family, how do you do that? It's not possible. It's not possible for you or for me, unless he gives, along with the command, the love itself. Do you see that that's what's going on here? Do you see who Jesus said can have this kind of love? It's sons of the Most High, people who've been born again, people who belong to him, who know God as their father, not just as their creator, who's kindly blessed them with everything that we enjoy, eating and drinking and life to the full, but no, somebody who knows God, not just as creator, but as father. So is that you today? Have you welcomed his kindness? That's your first and only practical point if the answer is no. You need to come and know that kindness for yourself. Come and welcome it. Say, Lord, I am sorry. I've failed miserably. I don't measure up to you at all. So I'm sorry. Would you change me? Would you make me new? Would you make me one of your children, part of your family? And if you are part of the family, then what could you do? Well, some practical things. Well, you could think about your body. First, your heart needs to be in the right place, doesn't it? That's what we've been doing just now. Come and look at Jesus. Come and be melted and changed by his kindness. And then think about your, your tongue. How are we going to speak kindness to other people? Sometimes it might be sharp in warning, 
And like Jesus did, sometimes often it'll be kind and generous and much more gentle and not gossiping. We can think creatively about kindness. Think about your hands and your feet when you're driving. I mentioned that already. That person who, I had an experience of this the other day. I was trying to park to go into the office. It was late. People were picking up takeaways from Peppino's Pizza Place, you know, in that tiny little ridiculous um, lay-by thing in, in town. I pulled up. There was somebody just leaving, so I pulled up by the lights. It's illegal. Maybe I shouldn't be admitting this. But okay, I pulled up there. I had my hazard lights on. That counts. Uh, and then I, I was obviously going to back into the place where this lady had just left. And as I did that with two children in the car, um, the delivery driver whipped his little van in and parked, got out the car, jumped and ran into the shop. I was so angry. I was so angry. And I think the only thing that stopped me from confronting him in my mind anyway, imagining, um, was that I had children in the car and I had a job to do to get something from the office for Sunday morning. And so I didn't do anything. I was just seized and was angry. And I didn't deal with it. I didn't deal with it. I didn't go to God's kindness and look at how he'd been kind to me and then pray for that man. I just left it and was angry and then told a few people later how much of an idiot this guy had been. So do you see, when we fail at this, when we realize that we've messed up, this is for Christians too, this is what we do. We go to God's kindness We don't just seethe and gossip. We go to God's kindness and think, wow, I deserve much worse than somebody pulling out at me on on the motorway, than somebody not letting me in at at a junction. So when you're in the car and you're in that kind of steel box of safety, you can do and think and say whatever you like and nobody will hear you or think that you're a bad person. We feel safe, don't we, to do and say whatever we want to do, to rage and seethe. When you're in that steel box of safety, remember Jesus. Think of his kindness to you, and let's be kind to others, even people who pull out on us or are unkind to us. Other examples of kindness. Well, we're running out of time, so maybe I can leave you to fill in the blanks there. Um, Think about how you can be kind to people in coffee shops and pay for others. Think about how you can be kind to people in your family who've let you down, who have messed you around, who you haven't spoken to for a long time. How can you be kind to them? How can you do whatever it depends on you to... Um, to put that right and to show them kindness. God has been so kind to us. Let's receive his kindness and then pour out that kindness to others. I said I was going to say one more thing, didn't I? Just a little challenge. Often we're much worse at receiving kindness than giving it. Really worth saying this, so I apologize. We're getting a bit later. But but we we should be people who who are used to receiving kindness, aren't we? I think I was talking with Donna about this this week. Um, it's really hard to receive kindness, isn't it? To let people know what we need is, a, is something that really challenges our pride. And then to receive other people's gifts and kindness is something that we'd really rather not do because it makes us feel weak, makes us feel small. It makes us feel like we're needy. But we are needy. I mean, that's just, a, that's just admitting that we're human, isn't it? That I need things that I can't survive on my own, especially when I'm sick or tired or struggling in whatever way. So let's not only be kind to others, be creative and costly, and, um, and take the initiative to be kind to others. But let's practice this week welcoming the kindness of others too. That, that we, let's practice this week letting, people other, letting other people know what it is they could do for us that's kind. And let's practice welcoming and accepting that kindness from them, not just giving it to others. Let's practice being humble, letting people know what we need, and letting them bless us. Jesus says it's more blessed to give than to receive. So if you're letting somebody know a need, if you're letting them help you, you're giving them an opportunity to be blessed, aren't you? If you're being proud and holding it to yourself and not letting anybody else in, then you're 
missing out on an opportunity to be blessed, and you're missing out, you're making them miss out on an opportunity to be blessed by giving and showing kindness to. Does that make sense? So, okay, God has been kind to us. Let's receive his kindness and go and be overflowingly, costly, sacrificially kind on purpose to others, and let's receive their kindness willingly too. hope that you found today's message useful and challenging and we want to take a moment to offer you some next steps that you can take right now why not get in touch with us via email at contact at amfordchurch.com if you have any follow-up questions or things that you'd like to discuss if you want to know more about what's going on at amford church make sure to like us on facebook and lastly check out our youtube channel for video teaching in addition to our sermon podcasts Thanks for listening.